Did you ever get around to watching Ted Lasso? It's been a while since we talked about it. No, I I, I haven't. Um, yeah, I have you not. You need why. Apple TV, so it, right. It, you know, That's kind one of those. one reason uh, why. Yeah. Yeah. So I I got lucky a couple years ago. My parents, uh, I guess my mom specifically, got it for free for like a year with Verizon. So I was able to watch the first two seasons, you know, sometime in late 2021. Um, but then. You know, for the new season, like the third and final season that just completed, we finally like got it back. I think my dad just decided to pay for it just for however long. And I just finished it the other night. And I got to say, like, I'm such a huge fan of that show. Like, I definitely recommend it if you get the opportunity. And I, I've heard it's a very, very feel good show. Yeah, it is. And I, I think... I some of the complaints I've heard about it is that either it's too feel good or it takes away from the feel good and starts to get a little darker at times and people like don't love the the mix of it but I think they do a really good job with it and I mostly am bringing it up because I feel like I've been watching a few shows where I haven't loved how they've ended and I think that's something that you commonly see with shows where they just go on too long they don't necessarily know when to stop them and i think even though i would love for another season or two of ted lasso ending it the way they did at three seasons i I think they did a great job with it and i just like feel very good about it and um one show in particular that i thought about talking about last week didn't really have a lot of time we had too much to talk about with kenny was uh barry and uh hbo show with uh bill Hader. He like does everything. He's a main character, producer, director. And I thought the first two seasons were awesome. Third season after like the COVID break was good. And I was not a huge fan of the fourth season. So I was glad to like have a new show that I loved from the beginning and then continued to love all the way through. Um, and also feels like a good transition just to kind of talk about a few points that we wouldn't otherwise talk about. Manchester City won the Champions League after winning the FA Cup in the English Premier League. Only the second English team to ever win the treble. So, talking soccer, nailed that one. <laughs> and then <laughs> Novak Djokovic won the French Open. I'm I saw that. Fan. Yeah. Um, I'll say Mickey Mouse title. Rafa Nadal was hurt, didn't play on his dominant tournament. So, I don't think the GOAT debate is over. I don't think that this I, officially I declares I, I, Novak all, better. All three guys are great. Like I don't Yeah, they are. They they all I, have a I, lot. I, you know me, I hate I hate GOAT debates and like the three of them oh, one guy's got 23, the other guy's got 22. That means he's better. I, I like all three of them are great in their own ways. Uh, like Nadal's obviously the king of clay and Federer, he, he won like the majority of his majors or or Wimbledon was his best major, yeah. which is I think is the 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 best one or like the most important one in my opinion. And then Djokovic has the most now, and he's de- he's basically dominated tennis for like a decade now. Yeah, a long time. I know, and I'm I'm not a fan of Novak Djokovic, so not, it's yeah. it's painful to like give him his flowers or anything. Um, and that's really where the whole goat debate. I mean, at the end of the day, I me, I don't care about tennis, but. I mean, I don't yeah. know. all three are great, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just wanted to, you know, mention that. Just say, like, th- those are relevant sports topics from, you know, this past weekend. We are a mostly sports podcast, but 
we're a mostly American sports podcast. So now that we kind of got this out of the way, let's move on. Change the slogan now. Yeah, right. Let's move on to champion. (laughs) Move on to championships that we did have like a vested interest in. Did take time watching, and we got really lucky uh, because our podcast was about to take a little bit of a break. And I don't know when we would have been able to talk about the NBA Finals and Stanley Cup Finals if the series lasted longer. So even though for most people maybe it wasn't awesome that they ended in five games and didn't go longer it was very, uh, it was very convenient for us yes very but convenient <laughs> at the same time like it's it, like neither series were great but I, I don't know like <laughs> i'm glad that the the teams that won did win though same right. same yeah back-to-back nights we were treated with championships i don't remember the last time that happened monday night nuggets win the nba championship tuesday night golden knights win the stanley cup final and I think let's start with well, the NBA. It, well, it happened. Uh, oh no! Wait, you know, did it? I think it happened with the Blues and the Raptors. The Blues won on a Wednesday, and and the Raptors think, won on the Thursday. Yeah, because the Raptors because Sunday would have been Game Seven. That's what it usually is. Game Six is a Thursday. Yeah. Game Yeah, seven's that's a good a, point. Yeah, that so probably, the I know the uh-huh. Blues won on a Wednesday, and the Raptors won. Yeah, on that does line Thursday, up. So Thursday. all right, you immediately you know it proved me wrong there. <laughs> But, okay, so it does happen every now and then. I just remember, like, back in the day, the Stanley Cup Finals would always start, like, a week before the NBA Finals, and now it's, like, the Stanley Cup Finals are ending after the NBA Finals just because of the way the schedules have worked out with those two sports. But regardless, let's start with the NBA. Let's start with the Denver Nuggets. You know, we've been talking about the NBA playoffs for a long time throughout, like, you know, throughout the course of them. Um, obviously, a big focus on the Celtics, but I think we've both kind of collectively acknowledge that we're fans of the Nuggets. We're fans of Nicole Jokic. You know, we're happy not just that they beat the Miami Heat in particular, who, you know, broke our hearts and destroyed the Celtics season, but also just they're they're a cool team. They're yeah, a likable sem- team. Semi, I've mentioned before, like semi-bandwagon Nuggets uh, when it comes to them. Like, I mean, like the, like the four teams I always care about, Patriots, Bruins, Celtics, loosely red Sox, <laughs> but you know what i mean like those are the four uh, teams that i care about everything else is complete bandwagon but yeah i i i do like the nuggets and i love me some yokage <laughs> uh you know it's three years in a row now where we have a likable superstar basically yep. carrying the team to a title and it's not definitely a super cool. team and, and not a super team right like actually uh and, and a real winner and, and not mm-hmm. like the those prime warriors teams so yeah. yeah it was it was awesome to see him and and jamal murray as well especially murray having you know the injuries that he's had over the past couple seasons to for them to stay with him and have that core of of Jokic and murray finally win it all uh, in, in a not a huge basketball market i think it's it's i think it's good True. for the nba yeah, yeah, of course. I think that's a big thing. Like, you know, the Warriors are still the Warriors when it comes down to it, whether Kevin Durant is on the team or not. But just looking at the the two surrounding it, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo in Milwaukee and Nikola Jokic in Denver. And yeah, those are two non-traditional NBA star markets. This is the Nuggets' first ever NBA championship. The Bucs, that was their first in 50 years. So I, I think it's cool. Like, we see a lot more parity now. I saw a stat that... In 30 years of David Stern, only eight teams won a championship. And in 10 stat. years of Adam Silver, seven, seven. teams. Yeah. So uh, it, it definitely feels like a good I mean, it's the nature of the league where stars move around a lot more than they, than yeah. they did back then. But, it's, but I still uh, prefer it that way. Yeah, I, I don't, no, I, I agree. And I don't, I don't want to see 
I'm sure, I mean, we weren't, I mean, I get, we were alive for it, but like, we didn't really watch it, of course, but, you know, during that Bulls era, I'm sure it was kind of boring for people just to see the Bulls <laughs> win it year after it. year, and the only reason why they didn't win it two of those years was because Jordan took a break and played baseball. Yeah, and instead the Rockets won both of those years. Right. And then almost immediately after, you have... The Lakers win three in a row, sandwiched by two Spurs championships. So it's the same team winning regularly every year. You know, we saw with the the Heat and the Spurs back to back years in the finals, and LeBron goes to Cleveland, Cavs and Warriors four straight years. So it's nice seeing something different. It's nice seeing teams, it, not even just like different teams, but teams you didn't necessarily expect to be that there. That too. Yet. Yeah. I mean, even. Like, Obviously Miami, that's not even yeah, debatable. As, as I didn't expect uh, them to make it that far. Um, but but Denver, even as a one seed, I feel like they everyone, were overlooked, and, and myself included. I'm not gonna yeah. like just say I was like on them. Like no, even though as much as I like Denver, I I didn't fully buy in until probably like halfway through the playoffs like sometime that Lakers series is when I was like all right like they have a legit shot I I think for me is when they beat the Suns I think I started to really take them seriously yeah yeah demolish them at home and yeah you Uh, could say that the Suns are a bunch of chokers but I don't know Denver like that was an impressive win so yeah for me I did not think the nuggets would end up winning that series so the fact that they did and like it, again in convincing fashion the way they did in, in game six in particular i think i i definitely believed them against the lakers and it was one of those where like the lakers are also playing great i didn't think the nuggets were going to sweep the lakers but then at that point it's like okay i really think denver is going to win the title whether it's the heat or the celtics and yeah Celtics and- probably put up a better fight than miami ultimately i think did, yeah but- so that's the thing i think the celtics would have put up a better fight and i think See, like the the Nuggets, even though they won and they're great and all that, they're not like this dominant team. Even though, like, no, I agree with that. They didn't know, like, the Suns four, is like, but... the only series where they didn't dominate because, like, uh-huh. like, every other series is four or five games. But, like, I don't look at that team as, like, this, you know, unstoppable force. No, not and at so all. So, I think the Celtics, if they made it to the finals, I think they would put up a better fight than Miami. Would have also and, had home. And court. I think, I think the Celtics are better on paper than Denver, but I don't think they would win just because I think uh, Jokic and Murray, you know, they're superstars mm-hmm. complement each other so much better than, than Brown and Tatum do with each other. I saw a stat that in the, in the Miami series, the Tatum and Brown only assisted with each other on like six, pl- six assists of seven games. The whole series. I think wow. I, I, if I have that right, that, that I, I sounds I can't crazy. Confirm. I mean, I kind of believe it, but it sounds yeah. crazy to think it sounds about. crazy, but I, I, I can't, confirm it or deny but like i i think that's what it was and Jokic and murray's obviously a lot more than that yeah i mean both of those guys i've just felt like from the beginning of or not really the beginning but like as the two conference final series played out to me it just felt like Jokic and murray maybe not as good as tatum and uh brown at their best but those two are like they have way higher floors like they're they're way more consistent and throughout the finals they were awesome and pretty much every game so yeah, you can trust those guys so much more. Like yeah, which ceiling do I believe in more? I I really believe in the ceiling of Tatum and Brown more. But I mean the floor, it's not even debatable. You 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 definitely have more f- trust and faith in Jokic and Murray to you know to step up, unlike mm-hmm. Brown and Tatum. Because look look at Game Two, perfect example. Because I remember after Game Two thinking like, oh man, Miami actually has a shot here. And I always believed Denver was going to win, but I definitely gave. 
too much credit to Miami. But, you know, after game two, I remember the coach called them out mm-hmm. and they responded. Like, yeah. They they just won they won the rest of the games. Like after after getting called out, like when it comes to the Celtics though, like even if the coach calls them out, like you don't expect them to bounce back. And and anytime Missoula was asked, like, oh, what'd you tell the guys? And they're like, Oh, I love them or like <laughs> <laughs> that like he doesn't really he's he's not really he he he's not like I don't know, motivating those guys enough or pushing them enough, uh mm-hmm. like Jokic and Murray were. Yeah, I, I think Mike Malone like has has become a huge story of the playoffs in his own right. A lot of it has just been complaining that nobody is talking about the Nuggets and they're talking about the Lakers, they're talking about LeBron, they're talking about all these other things. Uh, but I, I think that kind of nobody believes in us, nobody cares about us narrative was a big factor in kind of pushing Denver forward and probably helped when like they're not necessarily in the limelight. A lot of these series, the focus is on the teams that they're beating or you know what's going on elsewhere in the playoffs and I think that's kind of helped them uh almost fly under the radar to a you know more or less dominant run going 16 and 4 even if they weren't necessarily like this dominant super team um I, I don't want to make this too much about the Celtics I do want to kind of talk about the Nuggets on their own I'll right. admit I I I can't help I it. get it that's no, how I, I, view I totally it. get it I, uh, I view it as a Celtics fan because this series was really Look, I'm a pro sports fan, so even mm-hmm. though I said I was going to boycott it, I <laughs> I couldn't help but watch a decent chunk of it, uh, especially Game 5, just because that was the clinching game. Yeah, but, right. But it's like, I mean, that series was really kind of a joke, to be honest. Like, it, once it got to 3-1, it's like, all right, Denver is definitely going to win this series, even though that game got close at the end in Game 5. But yeah, I just can't help but look at the series and just see how close the Celtics were. And it's like, how come Miami looks so good versus the Celtics and look terrible as they did versus Denver. And yes, part of that was because the shots just kept going in versus the Celtics. And that part is a little annoying. I get it. But at the same time, the Celtics let them have their way. So, Mm -hmm. and it showed in the series that Miami is really not that great of a team, even though as far as it's a credit to them because they've made it to two finals now with Uh this group. It's just outstanding on their part. And I saw, you know, plenty of Celtics fans call out, you know, like Jimmy Butler and saying like, oh, like he's, he, you know, he sucks and all that. It's like this <laughs> I, dude got to the finals with that team twice. And it's like, yeah. I, even even in a losing effort, because he sucked in game five. He sucked he in that series. He was bad most of the finals, five. yeah. Uh-huh. But even even that, like, I don't care. He's still, a, I still view him as a winner. I still think he's he's great. And, but so. yeah, they, they certainly came up short though. I, I do want to talk about Denver, but while we're talking about the Heat, we can kind of circle back to that point. And I will say, I was someone who never became like Jimmy Butler fanboy. I never was like, oh, I love this guy and like everything he does. So I am reveling in the fact that he disappointed on this final That's stage. Fine. And it sucks from the Celtics fan perspective being like, wow, how did the Celtics lose to this team? Because I agree the whole time. I was like, they're not a great basketball team. The Celtics are just losing this series. And uh, a lot of it came down to the role players stepped up and at times carried Jimmy Butler against the Celtics. And then they all turned to pumpkins in this series against Denver. And Jimmy didn't step up in his own right. And I think he deserves a lot of criticism. 
just with how everything played out. And I get it. He was a hero against the Bucks. A 56-point performance in Game 3, like going to Milwaukee and finishing him off in 5 and not letting the series drag on. And then against the Knicks, that whole, you know, Jimmy smiling on the sideline when the game he didn't play and they lost. And the way that he was able to carry himself in that series and at times be a star against the Celtics. But it was just very kind of satisfying from someone who didn't like fully buy into this guy to see him just kind of crumble on this big stage and it's like well yeah he's a star player but ultimately I don't know that Miami Heat are a team that I in their current form I should really be afraid of moving forward with the rest of the East I mean I wouldn't either but at the same time they're a destination right now yeah they are talks about Lillard wanting to go there and Uh other guys like Embiid or whomever being rumored to go to Miami and Miami is a destination and Boston isn't. And I'm sure part of that is because of the weather and women yeah, I mean, that's and weed yes. and whatever, a lot whatever of you want to say is in Miami. But like Miami's a destination and Boston kind of isn't. Uh, you really have to No, it, it definitely isn't. Yeah, historically, the Celtics have not been able to pull in the you type really of superstars You really have to force guys to, to come here. And for the most part, the people who do come here have had – an enjoyable experience outside of some people, <coughs> Kyrie. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like it, it's, it stinks right now. So uh, yeah, I, like I said, like I mentioned already, I can't help but view it as a Celtics fan. Um, looking at it from that viewpoint. No, and I think that's, that's a natural way to look at it. Um, I do think that Miami, if they are able to get a star player like a Damian Lillard, like, you know, Joel Embiid, I don't know how realistic that is necessarily, or even Kyrie Irving, like this team could certainly change, but uh, right now it does feel like a team that still is missing something. And it's just a matter of, you know, do they pull it off to be able to get one of those guys to come to this destination? And uh, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Butler in game five, 21 points total, 13 of those came in like a four minute stretch in the fourth quarter. And he immediately threw the game away with the, the turnover passing the, it the, to KCP. Yeah, the, the last minute. And then Butler that missed. Yeah. That missed three pointer. Like just, I, even though I'm not going to crap on him, especially since he beat us. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I, I get that, it. That last yeah. minute was atrocious though. He gave the ball <laughs> away and then he puts up a shot that, was really ill-advised. Like he didn't even yeah, need to take that shot. Fourteen and seconds. It wasn't left. even close to to going in. Like hit uh-huh. the backboard. Yeah, he definitely. You know, <laughs> was he was a big reason why the Heat were able to come back and like retake the lead at, down the stretch there. But also, ultimately, he was the the at the center of them not winning the game and having you're their season. You speaking of the Heat coming back in that game, <laughs> you know that that uh, you know it's a good thing Denver won that game because if Miami won. I think that play where Butler got "quote unquote" fouled oh, yeah. by Gordon, uh, <laughs> that would have gotten way more attention if if Miami won that game because Butler puts up that shot and it's called a foul on Gordon. And then you look at the replay, and it's like, all right, like that was clearly not a foul on Gordon. And if it was a foul on anybody, it was Butler for yeah, you kick his leg out, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they go to the replay. It's like, all right, this is gonna get reversed. Like this shouldn't take too long. And then all of a sudden it doesn't get reversed and then Miami gets the free throws and then they get another basket to take the lead. It's like, how the hell was that not like, how the hell was that still called a foul? And I think, I think the NBA, you know, you know me when it comes to the NBA, I always think it's shady. And I think, I think the, I think the league wanted to make it a, 
you know, keep it a close game and give Miami a shot at the end there. And yeah, that, that was definitely a moment where it, it screamed. That yeah, I, you know, I figured Scott Foster was refing in that game. He wasn't, but no. he was in the replay center. Yeah, oh, I did, I did see <laughs> so, that. Yes. So uh-huh. I, I still hate Scott Foster. Uh, yeah, I, I no, there like you been, go. That's. I feel I know, like I was that, on that, that train was, before anybody. Uh, that was a play where in the moment it was like, all right, well, the NBA wants to send the series back to Miami, and, right. the, and it didn't fully work out uh, with the Nuggets finishing but they off really anyway, made it, But they really made it interesting at the end. Yeah, it yeah, no, they, they really did. I know, I, like, almost forgot about that play. I, I was like, I remember, like, all yeah, the free throws. people forget like, about that play because Denver won, but if they yes, didn't, uh-huh. everybody would be looking at that play because yep. that was a massive swing in that game. Yep. Yeah, I know. In, in the end, it, it ultimately didn't matter. And uh, luckily, I'm sure no one's happier that ended in five than Nikola Jokic because, you know, the job is done. Yeah, it's he good. can go home it's now. Good. Uh, you know, <laughs> I get to go home now. <laughs> Although he has to uh, go to so a championship I, uh, parade on I, Thursday, which he's not happy about. <laughs> I, I, what what day is the parade? Thursday. <laughs> oh, my God. I want to go home. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, as I didn't necessarily love Jokic's reaction and like how nonchalant he was I, and like the lack of excitement. I get it, but I still love it. <laughs> no, it's, I, it's I get, different. I get people's fru- some people's frustration on like, mm-hmm. dude, you just you, this is something you worked for your entire life for, and you're still just like the same facial expressions <laughs> and mood and all that. Uh, but it's like I kind of respected that he kind of just wants to go home and you know. FaceTime his horses or whatever. Yeah, right. It was like Kevin Durant tweet. Uh, (laughs) So the one thing I'll say on that is even though Jokic didn't seem as excited and happy, all of his teammates, like they, you could tell, like they loved it. Jamal Murray just like breaking down, crying, like yeah, Jamal Murray, and then Aaron Gordon celebrating the street with like every every uh, random person. All the Nuggets fans. Yeah, yeah. No, there. I mean the the Nuggets like they have a lot of guys where it's like you you're happy to see them win a championship in the way they did. Like Murray, of course, missing two playoffs with a torn ACL after being a star in the bubble. He said the Nuggets suck with him and he put on a show this postseason. Like he's the Jamal Murray that he used to be. And we thought he was a few years ago. Uh, Aaron Gordon, he was a fourth overall pick in a loaded 2014 NBA draft. He was someone who seemed like he could be on the path to stardom. Never really got there. Aaron Gordon took a backseat. He's not your typical modern day NBA player. Like, no, he's he's not uh, like he's not exactly a shooter. But but that's kind of refreshing that he's not. Like it's actually like you know, he's someone that plays a role even though it doesn't translate to what today's NBA typical NBA player is like that can Yeah, shoot. like he's he's a power forward who's not a stretch four. But is... but he can defend a lot of positions and a mm-hmm. lot of different players and good ones yeah. too. Yeah, and I mean Michael Porter Jr. He kind of went through it with uh, injuries throughout his career. It wasn't that great in the NBA Finals, but you know he's someone who ended up being big for them. And uh, you know even just guys like Jeff Green, like hearing his story. You know he had open heart surgery, fighting for his life a decade ago. Now he's an NBA champion after a long career. Christian Brown, only the fifth player ever to go from NCAA champion to NBA champion, and he didn't like actually playing like big minutes. Had a huge game three. Um, 
you know, it makes me feel a little better about his Jayhawks beating my Tar Heels in the national right. title and, you know, him actually being a great player there. DeAndre Jordan, like they have a lot. Thomas Bryant, who would have thought in that photo with uh, LeBron that the guy who would go on to win a championship this season was the one who was calling for the ball in uh, that record-breaking oh, I, I moment. Yeah. Uh, calling for the so. ball in his, like, biggest moment. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, that became a huge deal. He was traded like two days later and uh, ends up, you know, winning a championship even though he didn't actually play. And then, of course, Bruce Brown. Like every year there's a guy who gets a huge contract out of the uh, NBA finals. Last year I, I there wish, were a ton of them on the Warriors, but I mean, Brown's going to hate this year. You're going to hate me for looking at it again as a Celtics fan, but like he was someone that I thought would have been nice to have. I mean, yeah. it was unfortunate that Gallinari got hurt. I know. Uh, so, so I mean, hindsight. He could have like, been the Bruce Brown. But... Right. Like, he, like Bruce Brown could have been on the Celtics instead and played that role, and maybe things mm-hmm. would have played out differently. Yeah. No, I mean, I think there are a lot of teams who are looking at Bruce Brown and be like, man, we could have had this guy, and I think he's going to end up getting a, a pretty sizable contract. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Does he turn out like a Gary Trent or a Jordan Poole or, you know, one of those guys who got paid after their time with the Warriors? See, or... that's, that's the thing with Bruce Brown now is that, like, yeah, he's mm-hmm. a very, very solid role player and definitely helped Denver, but, like... He'll probably get like, I don't want. I don't want to, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it would, it would be nice uh, for him to be on the Celtics, but, like, I don't want to, like, pay this guy. Like, yeah, right, like, you know, four-year deal at, like, three times his salary now, so... um, Anyway, I guess, anything else on, the, like, the NBA Finals? Not really on the Finals. It's just that, you know, seeing Denver win, having two superstar players, you know, it took them what six or seven years and it's like is that going to happen with brown and tatum where mm-hmm. they're now entering their it's actually gonna be like their seventh and eighth season now like when it's when it's next season yeah something like that so they're reaching that age point of you know when Jokic and and murray won and Giannis and middleton won and true and then uh i mean i know jordan pippen curry and Tom, like they're not the same but you know what i mean like yeah, that it is like that late, point. Mid to late 20s, uh-huh. it's like their time should be now. I mean, yeah, it sh- literally should have been now, but mm-hmm. it's got to be, it really has to come soon or else uh, yep. I'm genuinely curious what they're, because I think they're going to keep Brown. Uh, I, I I know I, he sucked. I do too. I know he sucked ass in game seven <laughs> in, uh, in that entire series, really, but I do think they're they're committed to him and th- there has to be a major shakeup in, in what, you know what the roster will look like whether that's trading smart i yeah, mean i would right. do I that, that would be the and i'll fully admit that there is definitely some anti-smart bias in that <laughs> uh-huh. but i do think he's i mean he's the longest tenured celtic and there has to be a a real shakeup in that core and if you're not going to trade tatum and brown like it would be smart like he would be the mm-hmm. like no pun intended the smart <laughs> like, yeah no I, I agree i i don't think you can run back the same team i think the only way at this point that brown gets traded is if he declines whatever contract extension right. the celtics offer him at that point you kind of have to move him mm-hmm. but yeah i think smart would be the the logical piece um you know bradley beal is a name that just came up and i, I think like the the fantasy is just of, more unrealistic now than it was yeah two years ago uh-huh. and it didn't even no, happen I, of course Yep, I agree. Uh, I don't necessarily know what the move would be there. I think, you know, while talking about the Celtics, like the, the relevant, not just tying it to the NBA Finals, 
they went out and did something that we were hoping they do and that's address the assistant coaches first sam cassell right. bringing back former player uh he had been assistant on doc rivers 76ers teams the past few years and then most recently pulling charles lee away from the milwaukee box a guy who's interviewed for head coaching positions and it feels like the the support system is there in terms of the staff you have assistant coaches and another way to look at it is you have guys to turn to if you know joe missoula doesn't seem to work out in year two see i think it's a start that they hire these guys because look two years ago they uh went or last last year last calendar year they made it to the finals lost to the warriors and they but even though they lost like they had a great season and they really had a defensive identity mm-hmm. that season but this year they they lost that defensive identity and yeah the offense improved but it's like their defense was really their calling card and yep. they did not perform nearly as well defensively this this year than last year and you know maybe Sim Cassell is kind of like that defensive coordinator and because yeah, that would be nice you need someone <laughs> i mean like our football team doesn't have that so for uh, me at least uh <laughs> about uh about basketball but but anyway like you know having a great defense requires a lot of effort and i think sam cassell is someone that is really going to push these guys to to bring that intensity back uh on the defensive end of the floor so i like these moves i don't want to make it seem like Oh, like they need this is what they needed. You know, not even a head coach, an assistant coach. This is what this is what will put them over the top. So like I don't certainly want to want to go that far, but I I think it's a starting point. I guess the negative way of looking at looking at these moves, you know, glass half empty kind of viewpoint is that you know, are these guys here because they really want to help the Celtics win a championship? Or do you think they're here because like, hey, they know that this guy, Missoula, <laughs> is in over his head, doesn't know what he's doing. And this is a perfect uh, opportunity if, if things go south and yeah. wanna, and we can jump in as the head coach because it's, no, a, great, it, it's a great position. Uh, it, I mean, it does seem like an opportunity there where it makes sense. I mean, from the Bucks perspective, they fired Mike Budenholzer and they hired someone else. And other teams hired someone else so it makes sense for lee to kind of want to jump somewhere and yeah boston feels like an opportunity where you could end up being in a great situation to take over as a head coach sometime in the near future so i definitely get it from that perspective and again from the celtics perspective being like we want someone who we could potentially turn to if you know we don't feel great about this situation as this new season plays out so um, I mean, you're talking about two guys who don't have head coach pedigree, but they have interviewed like they're guys who I mean, are Sam kind of Cassell's on the radar. Sam has been an assistant for like a decade now. So yeah. I, I think he's more than capable of being a, a head coach at some you point. You would think so. I mean, yeah, both these guys he have He was experience. in the running for being, this is when, before Ime was hired. As uh-huh. a I remember it's like, okay, Brad is now the GM, like who's going to be the head coach and, and Sam, Sam Cassell's, Cassell's name brought up plenty for good reason. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he's someone who he's been in a few different spots. I don't think Charles Lee has a ton of like major basketball coaching experience outside of Milwaukee. I'm looking at it now. Um, he he's actually only 38, so you know he's only that much older than Joe Missoula. But you know, obviously, he's had more. Oh, he was a Hawks assistant for a while under Mike Budenholzer, so he followed him to Milwaukee. So he does have like a little bit of experience outside of just the single organization, but of course championship pedigree at that point, you know, with 
being a, a major assistant on a Bucks team that won a title just a couple of years ago. So I, I like these moves. I think they're exciting hires. I agree. Like there's more that needs to be done, but they're good starting points in terms of what the Celtics could accomplish at that this point in time. Exactly. So I guess we'll see what happens next uh, for the Celtics. And a lot of teams could be making some major changes. I think we're in a unique spot in a draft where you have a guy who is like surefire number one, could be one of the greatest players ever, and then a couple other guys who could be the number one overall pick if any other you know draft class with Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. And we're hearing a lot of rumors. You know, we heard about Portland potentially being willing to trade the number three pick um, if that's the direction they go. Houston potentially being open to trade the number four as part of a you know ploy to bring in James Harden. And um, one guy who is being connected and just can't escape the limelight right now is Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> it's just uh, you know, we we could have talked about this last week. I didn't really want to get into it, but. While we're on the topic of NBA and trade, it's this Zion. It's it's been an interesting time for me where I did not like him when he was at Duke because he went to Duke, even though everyone loved him, uh, even people who hate Duke. And then he goes to the Pelicans and I try to become a big fan. And he's so good when he's on the court, but he's just not on the court enough. And he's just he's not on the court. He he. But apparently he works really hard off the court. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> uh, all the these <laughs> all these like different women that are like coming forward, all these like only fans models and like retired porn stars. And apparently he's getting them all pregnant or saying he's going to, you know, settle down with them. It, it's just like <laughs> all this like stuff coming out and just not good PR for Zion Williamson. And I'm not shocked at all that the Pelicans would be interested in trading him if it means they can get a guy like Henderson or Miller to join this team because it's just been it's gonna be so yeah, frustrating I, with this yeah, guy. Yeah, when it comes when it comes to Zion, it's like this dude in terms of hype was the best prospect to enter the NBA since probably LeBron in terms of hype. Yeah, oh he had and so he obviously much hype. hasn't well I mean it's like what when you he's said, on the though. court, when he's, he's on the court, he's player. awesome. Yeah, yeah. But he can't stay healthy, <laughs> and uh-huh. when he's, <laughs> you know, when he's not on the court, he can't stop doing. <laughs> yeah, he's just yeah, he's making all these like headlines now, and like last year didn't play a single game, which was just unexpected. And then this past season, he's great. Pelicans, the number one team in the West, he gets hurt on January second, and every time there's a new update it's oh zion had a setback zion had a setback and then ultimately doesn't play and the team loses in a playing tournament yeah, so if, if i can get someone legit even if that's a prospect if yeah, i can get I mean, someone legit in return yeah like that, so, yeah just use him for example i probably would do it at this point i just absolutely <laughs> just yeah, because I, it's just like uh, it's been how many how many years it's been now four, four or five years, years now. yeah he's now and, in a max and, contract and it's, it's still not like working out really and it's like i know you got to give it time like i've heard that plenty of times as a celtics fan and but man it's just (laughs) i I don't know if this will work out the pelicans could use a point guard like if scoot henderson is the kind of player that he's supposed to be he would provide more value to this team than zion williamson maybe or maybe not playing at this point that that's really that has to be a factor here of course if you get 82 games of zion anybody would take that but you just can't rely on it you can't no. even rely on getting 40 games out of the guy at this point which is just very frustrating so i think making a move with portland with houston whatever to be able to put themselves in a position to try to get a 
similar type of prospect, but you know, at the guard position, I think would be huge for this team because Pelicans were very much a big disappointment this year. A lot of it was because Zion Williamson got hurt and missed half the season. And uh, yeah, is he, so it's, sh- is he in shape or is he in better shape? I don't know. I don't know. It, it's one of those things where like you hear everyone talk about it all the time. Like you heard all the rumors going into the last season, and then he's great when he's on the floor. So because I don't know what's changed right now. Part of the reason why he's injured so much is because he's not in shape. Like, That's that being, what it seems not like, being in yeah. shape affects his knees and, and, and mm-hmm. to you know to for him to get injured <laughs> I, I loved when uh I, I loved when he was when when he was injured obviously because he's injured more you know majority of the time and they showed him working out like on the court and on the inside the nba the host it wasn't ernie it was like he was like out for that day i don't, I don't remember why but the host asked Ch- charles barkley like what do you think of this chuck and he's like Looks like me and me and Shaq had a baby. <laughs> it's like it's funny, but it's like it's uh, kind of true. It's like this. I'm sure he's a little bit better in shape than at that point because he was like 300 pounds at that time. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's just yeah, the, the stuff uh, like PR wise right now, and and not being healthy, and who knows what his work ethic is like. Yeah, I I think uh, if you can get someone legit like Scoot or whomever, then I think uh, at this point it's I, I would make that move now. It feels worth it. I mean, the Pelicans have a, a good team that has the potential to be great with the right piece. Should be Zion. If you can't count on him, try your luck with Scoot Henderson. That, that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now because Brandon Ingram has shown he's an all-star caliber player. CJ McCollum kind of faded down the stretch, but he's a veteran. He's a leader who's been doing it for a while. Uh, you know, you got a few like really exciting young players and Trey Murphy, Herbert Jones, Jonas Valanciunas, another veteran center who's been at it for a while. This team needs somebody else out there. I don't know that it has to be Zion. So yeah. And then, you know, talking about the number two guy in this class, I thought we'd have John Morant bench by now. We don't have any news on it. So what a <laughs> draft just... class. Those two are <laughs> legit. Great players yeah you know when they're out there and not doing dumb shit yeah (laughs) i mean everything off the court with those two guys it's just it's who would you rather have seriously like who who would you no it's a it's a great question and i don't know i don't know if there's a great answer like i think i don't think there is either like my answer who would i rather have i'd rather have zion because i i i i dislike jaw weight a lot more than zion that's Which just, I, that, I that's think just me, I though. agree. Yeah, that, but like, he's Zion. but he is a lot more available than Zion. He is, yeah. <laughs> Assuming and, uh, his suspension won't be. I know that it could be the whole high. season. Yeah, I I have no idea what to expect. I, I've seen a lot of numbers. I've heard. Out uh, there. I, I don't I don't like a whole season. Like like look I I can't stand the guy, but and he's an he's a moron. But a whole season like I'm I'm not. You know, if that. it was a real gun, then yeah. But it's a toy gun, right? So yeah, like, I, I just, <laughs> it's not just really stop, a toy just gun. Stop showing a gun on uh, like ever, and, and don't spend and don't have it on Instagram. I mean, I'm sure that's that second well, time you never expected it, but don't even do the 
<laughs> don't even do yeah, that motion. Yeah, like don't flash it. Yeah, like do it. He even does it with on, his hands in, in uh, other videos. It's just which I think that's if there's not a gun in it. I think a lot of it comes down to the people he was hanging out with. I heard that he unfollowed the person who went live with him and got him in trouble this last time. So that feels like a step in the right direction. He took a break from social media. Um, it feels like he's at least interested in helping himself out. But you know, we'll see if it actually. I, happens. I just remember that first time when he came back. Uh, you know, after taking that time off, or wh- I don't know if it was, was it the Grizzlies that suspended him or yeah. wh- whatever it was. Like he he was gone for a bit, and then he came back, and it's like, man, that was quick. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I I'm there's no I I thought to myself like oh there's no way that he's you know fully rejuvenated, and it showed mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's still yeah. kind of an idiot uh-huh. uh, for and is still doing that stuff on, on Instagram. It's just like I want to see a I want to see a punishment. I because I, I do I, I think he deserves to be suspended for X number of games, but like I I, I hate hearing the stuff like oh the whole year like come on it's just I'd like to see him on the court yeah right exactly I mean, like, like even if it's like forty fifty games just enough to be able to kind of get him back out there right down the stretch I, even and... I think that's a little still a little too much but it's like if it's like half a season it's like all right like I wouldn't complain that much. like a whole year like even I would I think that's going way too far. Yeah, I I don't know what to expect. I don't know the full precedent. I think it's going to be substantial. So. I think it's going to be double digit games. Oh, well, for I'd, sure. I'd like to think it's going to be in the. I don't know, twenty, thirty, whatever, whatever the number is. I feel Just, like that's the minimum is like twenty five games, and then, you know, if Adam Silver really wants to make a statement, it's going to be a lot more than that. It's just it's but. just that oh, how many how many games did I know it was the rest of the season, but like how many games did Gilbert Arenas get? That's a good question. I think it happened. Was, was wasn't in it like forty like, something as well? Yeah, I think it was like around halfway through the season. And so it's, it's like he had the range. gun in the, the locker room. In the room. locker room, yeah. Like, uh, I think that's I know, way with, worse than with than, Jaw, it's like two cases of social media and then yeah, it's all about a PR standpoint from the NBA's perspective. It's not like literally on NBA team property. Yeah, so I, that, I that, just that, think what Gilbert did was well and his teammate. Javaris oh, Crescenton, yeah. Right. I think what, what that was way worse than than Yeah, no, I, I completely that's, agree that's with that. That's why I it's like wow, like th- those guys deserve the same amount of games. Like I don't agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah, I think it's just whatever is like both making a statement and then what's going to be right for Jaw. Like what are you going to do to make sure this doesn't happen? He learns his lesson, he gets the help he needs, whatever it is. So I think that might also be a big factor that goes into it. I saw a uh I saw a meme that said, uh, 30 for 30, guns and buns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about John and Zion. Yeah, I, w- I would love to watch that that documentary. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly could happen with, you know, how things have played out with those two this this last year or so. It's, it's um, wild that R.J. Barrett, the third guy in that draft, he, you know, he's kind of like a mid-player, <laughs> compared, especially yeah, compared to those two guys. He's the least problematic. He might be the best choice of the three right now, even though Uh, he's really not that good. Wasn't was Darius Garland that draft class? He was fourth overall. Yeah, because he got paid the same time. He was taken by Cleveland. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I feel like you know they're they're probably not complaining too much about how things have worked out with him. You know, obviously they're disappointed in the playoffs losing to RJ Barrett's Knicks, but at least Darius Garland has you know not given them hesitation about the huge max contract they signed him to last summer. It's just so. that those those other two guys are way better, but they're so 
oh, they just they they can't help themselves of whatever no. that they're dealing no. with. No, lot yeah, a lot of problems with both of them. So, <laughs> anyway, let's uh let's move on from the NBA. Let's talk about the NHL, which also crowned a champion. Uh, Stanley Cup handed to the Vegas Golden Knights, just their sixth season as a franchise. Um, I think there are probably a lot of factors that could potentially you know, lead to feelings for you. The takeaway was you're happy that the Golden Knights and in particular Bruce Cassidy won and you have no hard feelings about them winning in just year six. Does that hold true now that it's actually happened? Yeah, like I, I'm 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 definitely happy that Bruce Cassidy won a Stanley Cup and again, like what I talked about with the Nuggets series, and I can't help but look at it as a Celtics fan. I can't help but look at because this is another series that was just like not competitive like even though florida won game three and you thought they'd get back in the series like even vegas arguably played better in that game than than florida did yeah it still took overtime and a late goal for them to right and and matthew kachuk i mean broken sternum yeah right your your best it's 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 really amazing like the the car crash injuries that you hear from like what the nhl players are dealing with during the Mm -hmm. playoffs is absolutely insane ekblad on the Panthers, he was de- he had like a broken foot in the Bruin series, and he had separated shoulder and a couple other things. It's like, geez, like, it is amazing, like all the injuries that come out when the season is over I know, for it's teams so, on it's so both insane. sides. And part uh, of me, part of me thinks like, you know, wouldn't it be better if they didn't play and they actually like put in whoever that next backup is, even if he's I don't like know, not? They're great. hockey tough. I mean, yeah. I mean, losing Kachuk, it's like okay, he's your best player. And yeah, I know. At that like point, what? it was like, uh, this is not going to go well yeah. for them. Didn't think it'd be 9-3, to three, but... Right. Apparently, Brady, his brother, had to like help him dress for game four wow. because like, he couldn't even do it himself. And it's like... Yeah, which, I mean, when you have a broken sternum, yeah, that's and then, not And shocking. then he barely... I mean, he played He played in the first period and second period of that game. And, and, well, and third, but in that third period, he sat like 15 minutes. And it's like, all right, mm-hmm. like this guy's done. And... But still, yeah. it's still incredible what Florida accomplished. Yeah. Unfortunately, and it, it <laughs> unfortunately what they accomplished, just given that they beat obviously the Bruins in the first round. But uh, but yeah, speaking of the Bruins, it's like, you know, this this series was like not really worth, like it was not that great. Like it lasted, it was a gentleman's mm-hmm. sweep, and I can't help but look at it from as a you know Bruins fan, like seeing Bruce Cassidy win in his first year, it's like. I'm definitely happy that he won, but at the same time, it's like he should not be in Vegas. He should still be <laughs> with the Bruins. And I know that the Bruins had this amazing regular season, but when it came down to crunch time, you know, the real games, you needed mm-hmm. a coach that could lead your team and not just like be pals with everyone on the team. And Do you I think, think the Bruins win 65 games if Bruce Cassidy is the coach? No, hell no. <laughs> like the Golden Knights were just fine in the regular season. They weren't great. Like, they were the but, one yeah. seed in so the would they win sixty five games regular season? No. Like no. Uh-huh. I I I think uh I, I do think Jim Montgomery was pushing, you know, the right buttons in the regular season, obviously. They won they broke a record. Uh but but when it comes down to it, like you need a coach that can like really you know, Mark Stone talked about this after they won the Stanley Cup. Like he's it's like, Oh, what did what did Bruce uh what kind of impact has he made on your team? And it's like yeah, he brought an intensity to our team that we probably needed. It's like, yeah. wow, <laughs> like the Bruins could could have used that in the playoffs, and and I think it really showed in this in this postseason that like it was a mistake to get rid of Cassidy. I know I know that didn't end well, and the players didn't like him, but it's like I can't help but look at the players and it's like, wow, like, 
you couldn't just take the hard coaching. Yes, yeah, he's I mean, a hard it, coach it feels really for, soft. But, uh-huh. but the players, especially, especially like the ones that didn't really didn't like him, like DeBrusque and yeah, Carlo, right, wanting, like especially DeBrusque, like, he, he was like almost gone. They uh-huh. almost like traded him. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just such a bad look on the Bruins part. It really is. I know you disagree with me, but it really is like the Tom Brady story on ice. <laughs> <laughs> where no, I, I get the comparison you're making there it was just like it, it felt like kind of crazy hearing uh, it at first but obviously no, I, one I guy's way more accomplished uh, and way more popular but it really is like you know you, you basically both of them basically forced out of their of their position on the team and they went to another team and immediately won <laughs> in their mm-hmm. first year and have made the team that I root for look bad and it's like you reap what you sow so yeah so I'm happy for Bruce Cassidy but at the same time it's like this is a very low point (laughs) for the Bruins yeah I I think that has to be the biggest takeaway you know obviously Toronto and Carolina are probably kicking themselves as well but I mean the Bruins were up three to one against the Panthers they were the best team in NHL history points wise in the regular season and like they're the ones who should be feeling like man if if we just win that game seven or win game six or win game five and move on there's a really good chance the Bruins are the ones who were celebrating last night yeah or at least I don't know and I don't know how I would be saying these things if let's say the Bruins made the cup and lost Mm -hmm. like would I be saying the same things like I don't know because if they made the Stanley Cup uh, it's, it's 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 a little bit more difficult to say like oh this was such a bad move yeah even if, even if Bruce won against I'm sure them. you're but, not happy about Cassidy beating the Bruins in right. the finals like so. I wanted obviously I'd be rooting for the Bruins but it's like uh, they lost in the first round after yeah. having the season that they had is is so bad yeah no I totally get it uh, and you know I I am someone who has been a big fan of the Golden Knights just because of the whole Vegas connection. Yeah, so same. like I'm just naturally happy two, to two see them win wagons, it all. But... Two two teams <laughs> that I I don't deep down don't uh-huh. really give a shit about, but it's like yeah I know I'm the same way. Wagons, was... But it's like I had as little joy as possible in seeing uh-huh. them win, even though it was cool to see you know Jokic and Bruce Cassidy and like other coaches and players. <laughs> yeah, it's like at the same time it's like. God, this is kind of sucks too. Yeah, no, I I totally get it, and I think um, you know from like just focusing on the Golden Knights here, I right. think it was cool how they started five of the six original Golden Knights. You know the the misfits in this game, um, and then you know Mark Stone is a captain. He got the cup first, but then the first six yeah, players like the next, to touch the, the next cup guys were the, the, those the six original. In terms of uh, who was passed to, or yeah, like Riley Smith. Yeah, um, Jonathan Marchessault, Con Smythe, and original Vegas and, and, Golden yeah, Knight. Yeah, and Carlson, right? And and then yep. and then other guys like McNabb and yeah, Braden McNabb and Carrier and uh, Shea uh, Theodore. That's it. Yeah, Shea Theodore, right? Yeah, yeah. There's only six of them. Just happened last night. It's easy right. to kind of fire them off, <laughs> off my head here. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think there's been a lot of criticism about the Golden Knights for two reasons. One of them is, oh, they were handed a great card by the um, the NHL with the expansion draft, which again, they week. took a bunch of, wa- yeah, a bunch of players who were not like they were castaways. Like, they were Mar- misfits. Marstone, Petrangelo, Eichel, like those guys weren't on the team yet. No, they, they all, they were, yeah, at that point, it was just good roster management, right. signing guys, trading for guys, whatever they had to do to build this roster. They went through a lot of hiccups. You know, they came close. They lost in conference finals. They missed the playoffs entirely last year. 
Uh, I think it's just a team like, yeah, they played on maybe a shorter timeline than other expansion franchises throughout the history of the league, but it's not like they were the first team to even make it <laughs> in year one. The Blues back in the 60s did it. So it's just like a normal thing with the way the NHL has played out. Helps when as many teams make the playoffs as they do in this league. And I think that... Uh, I, no, I, it's I great for the no... league. Yeah. Seeing a team like that win uh is, i mean it, it, i think it would kind of would have sucked if they won that first year that would just been such a bad look to the other 30 <laughs> teams it's like this is the team that wins it all the, uh, the, the, the expansion team i would have taken year. them over the washington capitals right sure. yeah so for but, you would have been you'd been fine with it but like yeah it's one of those things where i don't know if i would have the same mindset if like the seattle kraken were the team that won whereas like vegas like you know i have a natural love for vegas so right. i am that gonna have too. a natural you know appreciation for the team that they put there but um yeah i mean i i definitely understand the qualms that some fans have but i also think it's easy to have rebuttals to how this team came about now i think the one that is maybe a little more in particular is the idea that the fans don't care as much just it's about not as that much was, of a passionate the hockey with market the, with, whatever with Knights, like their fan base mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i saw this no, guy, it, i saw this guy uh, um picture of this guy holding a poke i it was a joke but people took it way too seriously and it's like the guy's like he had a poster that said, we've been waiting six long years for this. <laughs> <laughs> and people took it so serious. Like, it's a joke. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, it obviously hasn't been that long uh, for, yeah. for them to see a, a championship. Uh, but, but yeah, like the, the, the fans there, it's, they're not super hardcore. You can tell. No, they, they sell out the arena. They spend money. Like, I, I think like, it's not even just like, away teams filling it as you know tourists like there there is a fan base they've built up but a lot like there's just a difference between long-suffering fans and fans who they, they just kind of show up and along. it's like a, it's yeah. a party yeah no yeah, right i don't want to say they're completely fake fans like because like no i don't think they, they are sell out well. and uh-huh. they have a good time it's Def- a there are a lot of songs that they were singing to like so yeah yeah they put on it's a like, show. oh it's a terrible fan like no but yeah, it's not exactly a long-suffering, hardcore fan base. No, but, I mean, at the same time, okay, so the, the Golden Knights, it took them six years of going through, you know, playoff failures, coming close, having, like, big disappointments. Penguins last won seven years ago. I know they won back-to-back, but it sucked the past few years, and it feels like, man, it's been six years since the Penguins won a Stanley Cup. I understand that sentiment. It's, like, legit. And even, like, for the Bruins, like, say, yeah, like, it's if been you, a If you're going to complain about years, that, like, what about me? Right? <laughs> Which, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, there are teams who haven't won in ever or, you know, 40, 50, like, the Maple Leafs. It's been, what, 50 years, 60 years almost now? Um, so like I get it like they don't necessarily feel the same way but once you kind of taste it once you get close like like Golden Knights fans did in year one you're like oh it's only a matter of time before they're gonna win they had to go through five long years of losing in like the first round or losing With to better a rosters horrible too. yeah Cause, right cause better rosters got better. yeah losing to that Canadians team in the bubble where you're like wow we're actually gonna go to the finals or even the year yeah, before that, losing that, that to was the a stars, pretty bad like, I mean I know Montreal got hot in the postseason there but their roster was much better than Montreal's. Yeah, well, the thing with Montreal, it's like similar to Florida where it's like, yeah, Florida got really hot and then they finally get to the finals and they just get completely, you know, didn't get swept, but, you know, they lost in five games. And the case of the Canadian team, it's like, okay, finally Lightning are like, all right, we're not screwing around. Like, let's take care of business. And they beat up on them and won their second straight Stanley Cup. I love hockey, but 
you can make a case that there haven't been a lot of like really down to the wire uh Stanley Cup finals. Like the ones that come to mind for me are your your uh 09 Penguins versus the Red Wings, game 7 Mark Andre yep. Fleury gets that big save. Uh I, and then and then like the Bruins which I know there's bias in that but it's like well, the Bruins can went seven. To seven. Uh, Bruins Blackhawks was 6 but it should have been 7. Uh-huh. But the way it ended was insane. Um 19, 19 even though again seven. another heartbreaker that one seven but like other than that a lot of gentlemen sweeps a lot of six game series where like you the team that won was he kind of fig- like both of the penguins both the penguins yeah the, not the uh-huh. red wings one obviously the the sharks and predators like both of those were like yeah the penguins are very likely gonna win which they did yeah and, and same with the lightnings back to backs like those were two series like yeah the stars canadians like neither of those teams are gonna, really gonna have a shot versus tampa so yeah it's like another series as much as i love hockey you could say that there have been plenty of stanley cups that haven't been super i don't know i don't know what the word is like competitive like down, exciting ex- yeah like, like, uh, like unfortunately i think the last like really exciting one was the blues bruins one yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. And it's it's one of those things where you can love Stanley Cup playoffs, all the intensity, all the upsets early on, and then all of a sudden you're down to the wire and it's like, wow, we're left with four southern hockey markets. And, yeah. You know, it, it's like, uh, do we are we really happy that all these teams lost? Like, are we really happy I, that I the en- Maple Leafs got I, embarrassed? You know, I, like, think it's, <laughs> I think parody is great, but I do think – there are times where uh, it might go too far to the point where it's like, uh, oh, man, I don't know if I like this. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I feel like the, you know, with March Madness where it's like, oh, this is cool seeing these teams in the final four, but then it's also like, eh, I don't it's like, well, care as much. Y- yeah. You got one uh, clear elite team and three teams that had no, uh, basically no business of being. Yeah. There. And even like the elite team was a four seed there. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, upsets and stuff they're fun in the moment and then when it comes down to the end i totally get it when fans kind of check out it's like i don't really care about these teams i'm not going to be happy or sad either way so that's i why personally fo- that's watch why, all that's of- why football dominates because no matter yeah, what the matchup it, is everyone mm-hmm. watches the super bowl yep but yep. but the other three sports like i'm a pro sports fan so i'm going to watch them I will yep. fully admit this this Love season that was a little bit more difficult. Uh-huh. Uh, no, I totally get it. With the Florida teams in it, uh, uh-huh. being the Boston teams, but but uh, yeah, like just taking that out, even even that, it's like man, like these this is the finals. Like I don't know, <laughs> two teams that like are in markets that like you know, unless if you're there, you don't really care, and then one and team then, is clearly better than the other, uh, and it showed in both series. Yeah, yeah. I no, I I totally understand that frustration. It's it's one of those things where like I stayed up to watch both of those games. I wanted to see the trophy presentation. And there were two teams that I was really for their cool moments. Stuff. Yeah, Even especially if, with the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy the the hockey celebration more than any of, of the four sports. That one's the mm-hmm. most fun to watch. Yeah, because everyone gets a moment with the trophy. I miss when Doc Emmerich was doing it and really gave you the full breakdown of like every player's story and their journey. And, you know, we don't necessarily get that as much with uh, some of the newer guys. Like Kenny Albert had every now and then, like he'd talk about some, but it's like, oh, here's the player. Nothing. Like no backstory. Why should I be happy for him? So Yeah, I I like Kenny Albert, but I mean, Doc is 
for sure the best. <laughs> He's yeah, easily was the best, and you know, very sad that he doesn't do it anymore. But yeah, so anyway, I think that'll kind of wrap things up with uh, those two. Um, you know, NBA, NHL season. We'll we'll talk as relevant with uh, the off seasons, draft, free agency, whatever. But um, you know, just a couple things. Uh, one story feels like gotta at least talk about it because it's been blowing up the internet and it's related to sports and that is uh baby gronk <laughs> and uh i think if you're not on twitter and instagram you probably haven't heard this story and it's probably a good thing <laughs> that you don't know what's going on but this is just one of those i feel like there's a lot of takes being thrown out there everyone is talking about this it's just hard to escape it yeah, as much as so- i tried to you probably have no more details than me about the story, but the reason why is because I have tried as hard as I can to avoid the story. Like, you know, anytime like there's an interesting story that like this, that, you know, piques everyone's interest and everyone has opinion on it, you want to look more into it. Yeah. But, uh-huh. but like, I know the, like the, the real, like the, the real gist of it, but like I've, I've tried to ignore it as much as possible because I just think it's, you know, just hearing, how like this dad you know like I, I've, I've seen like taylor lawan and other people yeah busting out the like boys. the dms Will that Compton. they've, they've yeah. sent uh, this dad has sent them like hey can can my son be on the pod and it's like yeah right and you're just ruining the kid and his, and his psyche like i i'm i don't like I'm not a fan of it, and no, no, it's it's a horrible situation. It was basically just you know the the background. It's a ten year old kid. He's right. a fourth grader who's really good at fourth grade football. There right. are highlights of him scoring touchdowns, being better than all these other kids. Um, his dad wants him to be like this next college football star. He is taking recruiting visits. I don't know how much of them are like real official, but. There's this video of him at LSU in a LSU jersey, and she and he got unquote, to meet Livy Dunn, rising up, yeah, rising up Livy Dunn, and like this like huge deal where like oh she's like recruiting him to come to LSU in eight years. Again, he's a ten year old kid, uh, and yeah, this is something where it's kind of blown up. Lots of TikToks, lots of videos, and then of course the whole dad being at the center, running a social media account, DMing anyone who's every like. Everyone who's anyone in the sports media industry world from, you know, Bleacher Report, ESPN, Barstool, whoever. And they're all like, all right, this dad, like, this is cringy. This is, like, really discussing what this dad is doing. Ultimately, he's a 10-year-old kid whose father is five foot nine. Like, the idea of him turning him into a college football NFL star, it's it's so far-fetched right now. And... He's just. Be, it feels like he's just trying to get his. It's just a dad that's fame. just doing too much. Yeah, he's trying to live vicariously through his kid, trying to make it's, all it's, this money. It's like it's like uh, it's not as extreme, but it's it's kind of like Lavar Ball, in a way. So I, yeah, I mean, so the it's the obviously LeVar not Ball, as bad because the kid's ten and and you know um Lonzo, and and, and the other and Lamelo and Angelo. Leangelo, like they were like obviously much older by that point when they were. They're also like really good established like college basketball exactly. stars. Like, yeah, at least like with that, Lonzo. That's why. That's why yeah. I said th- this is not as extreme as. Uh, as no, like, well, this baby Gronk the one stuff. the comparison a lot of people are making is Todd Marinovich. Uh, I I didn't see the thirty right. for thirty the Marinovich project, but I I did research some to kind of figure out the comparison and. 
there's one significant difference between these two stories. One, Todd Marinovich's dad, Marv, played in the NFL, was a star offensive lineman at Southern Cal. He actually has like the football G's in him, whereas Baby Kronk doesn't have that. So the odds of him being, you know, big enough, strong enough, whatever, to just have like the physical traits to be a be able to you're be like a big time football player. You're setting him up to fail, even if he yeah. is great. Yeah, I mean, it, like he could be a talented ten year old kid, but there's probably a million baby Gronks out there. They just don't have a dad who's pushing like a viral social media account, and you know, I, I think he's making like fifty thousand dollars. Is like a number that I threw out there, like on these NAL deals, and it's like it's a lot for a ten year old kid, but all this just feels like the dad just trying to you know go viral and take advantage of his son and it's just like really disturbing and disgusting and messed up did you see the video of him like on that podcast where the two guys were interviewing him yeah so they're interviewing baby gronk his dad is sitting next to him and they're asking him so the first question is like are you him and baby gronk he's just like yeah and his dad's like no no stop wait ask the question again say uh what kind of question is that? Like, you know me, you've seen my videos and like, he's like basically doing the interview for him. He's like, they made a comment where it's like, Oh, you're going to skip middle school and high school football to prepare for college football, which makes zero sense. But his response is like, what are you going to do to get ready? And the kid is like, Oh, flex your muscles. It's like, Oh, say, Oh, I'm going to get a bunch of massages by a bunch of baddies. And like, what is this? Yeah. It's like, this, this is exactly why I've been trying to avoid this story. Yeah. And it's just so hard. You see these videos and, yeah, it's like I saw that video, like a lot of people talking about it. It's like when it comes down to it, the kid to me is innocent. He's 10 years old. He doesn't fully comprehend what's going on. I don't put anything on him. It's completely on his oh, dad. It's 100% and it's, on the dad. <laughs> it's just this awful story. And I, I don't think it's going to get to the point that some people are really concerned about. I think ultimately it's going to play out how it plays out. And it's probably not going to end with him being a big time college football star. Uh, I don't know that it's going to have the horrible like situation that Todd Marinovich ended up going down, but it does feel like a, a situation where it would not be surprising if this kid, when he gets older, goes through puberty and, you know, realizes that he's not going to be this big time football star has a lot of resentment for his dad. And it's going to be this like saddish situation that we may or may not hear about. Um, but, we've yeah. se- we've seen cases of dads of athletes live too much through their kids' success, or you know, try to be. You know, I watched the movie. Do you know King Richard? The movie. Uh, yep. Yeah, I yeah, watched Serena that movie the other Venus's day. Dad. And you know he he has this plan, and and he's like very mm. protective of of Serena and Venus, and and he's very stubborn. But you know, as the movie goes on, it's a spoiler, but like. You know, he, he he ends up, you know, realizing that he's going too far with his plan, and and realizes that he want he should do what makes you know them happy, like his daughters, and and it's like, you know, it's one thing to be stubborn and overprotective, but then there's stuff like this where it's just yeah, it's, I don't it's, know that it's a hundred percent wrong. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're gonna have the happy ending, and I think the big difference with a lot of these stories is the kids actually prove to have the talent at an older age, like an old enough age where it's realistic to be thinking about things like, you know, playing major college football, going pro. 
it's just it's you don't ridiculous. Even know if the kid likes football or not. But. No, no, he's ten years old. You know nothing about where his future is gonna go. Like saying he's the best fourth grader in the country. Like, okay, great. What does that really mean? You know, I'm sure we can all think back to I mean, I, kids I was, we played. I was awesome at baseball in fourth yeah, grade. Right? <laughs> I know <laughs> you can think back to like all those kids. You're like, oh, they're a great athlete. There were moments where I saw people that were my age play sports and like, man, I think this person can go pro. They were never going pro. <laughs> So, uh, it is, yeah, it is a very, very funny, um, kind of thinking back, but then also like sad, like looking at it in this perspective, seeing this story. So, um, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of baby uh, Gronk. He's set up to fail. Yeah. I'm sure it's, it's not a story that's necessarily going to go away anytime soon. I'm sure the dad's going to continue to be put on blast and, uh, you know, I guess you just got to hope and, you know, for this kid to have a not a totally messed up future because of it and maybe he'll make enough money that it doesn't matter but it is uh it it does not seem like it's a story that's going to have this great happy ending no. so hopefully that's the last we talk a baby gronk on this podcast i think <laughs> let's uh get ready to wrap up this episode by talking about another big championship that'll be coming up this weekend and that is the u.s open and I'm excited for it. I always love the U.S. Open. The Masters has all the pageantry and the glory and, you know, the coolness of being held at the same, um, you know, event every year. It's always at Augusta National. The U.S. Open is naturally uh, one of the hardest courses uh, year after year. It's one of the most difficult tournaments. And I, I like the that aspect to it. And, um, you know, this year's tournament's being held at L.A. Country Club. First time it's in Los Angeles area since the 19... 19- 48 us open at riviera so long time coming and let's kind of talk about it so um i guess you know going into this a lot of the usual suspects are at the top scotty scheffler brooks kepka john rom victor hovland and uh rory mcelroy of course but i think um you know going into it you know kind of what are your expectations for how things are going to play out this weekend based on what you know about the course and you know some of the guys and how they've been playing in in recent weeks yeah i mean just looking at the top guys uh like i mean like the guys that you just named like rom scheffler brooks victor rory like I, i'm sure i think all of them will be will play and will will play well and contend but I think my favorite of the top guys is Scheffler still. He's definitely, yeah. I, I think, I think everything about Scheffler's game right now is, is really dialed in. And I saw this thing on Twitter that was just so perfect where, you know, if you could, if you were to build a, the perfect golfer of the, 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 the active guys, like who would, what would you do? Like, you know how like people say, Oh, build the p- perfect quarterback. Like, Oh, I want mm-hmm. Michael Vick's mobility. I want Aaron Rodgers's arm and, Brady's pocket press, you know, like that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you know, people are saying uh, off the tee, Rory on approach, JT. I saw someone put off the tee, Scotty, approach, Scotty, around the green, <laughs> Scotty, putting anyone but Scotty. <laughs> because <laughs> because he's so dialed in with the rest of this game except his putter. Yep. And there are, about, there are a lot of talks right now about like he's going to try it on a new putter possibly this week. He said, he said, okay. uh, you guys will find out on Thursday, but if that's the part of his game that is like, you know, off right now, like of, of anything, I think, uh, that's something that can be easily be turned around. Uh, and so he's definitely the guy that I have the most faith in. I will say though, Brooks has, uh, 
I thought for I thought for sure that he was not going to be the same ever again. Just it's just the same thing with all these golfers that once they get enough money in their lives, especially being especially with live now being a yeah. thing. I thought like someone like him and others. It's it's just like it's never he's never you're never going to hear from him again. But you know to see him play as well as he did at the Masters. Yes, he didn't win, but he came you know tied for second. It's like. All right, like he's back, and then he was really back after winning the yeah, winning the PGA Championship, and so mm-hmm. I fully expect him to contend because because even though he has five majors, it's really the it's it's the PGA and U.S. Open, obviously. Like those are all yep. where his majors yeah, come back from. Yeah, back to back, and uh-huh. it's a U.S. Open, and you know he's one of the guys that when it comes to majors, he's going to be the guys that you can trust to be dialed in. Yeah, he loves his majors still. And, uh, you know, especially in the light of this new news with, uh, you know, PGA live merging, I'm sure, you know, he, he'd love to continue to put on a show this weekend. Um, and, and um, you know, go through other guys. You know, Rory, I, I think his game has been solid of late. I just think the live stuff may get to his. Because I remember, I remember when the Masters came around, like all the live guys were coming to play and it's like this is the first tournament where like everyone's together ever since the live tour started and it's like yeah maybe that got to his head way too much maybe there's the maybe the combination of both that and the fact that he hasn't won a masters the one major that he hasn't won maybe the combination of both really got to him at that tournament well i don't know if it i don't know if there'll be as much pressure on rory at the u.s open than the rest of the masters because when you factor in the the fact that he hasn't won a Masters, but he's already won a U.S. Open. But he hasn't mm-hmm. won a major in like nine. It's years. been a long time. It's been yeah. a long time. And look, he always he always competes in majors, but he never like he never wins them. Now, like he, like you always see him blow it. Um, we, I mean, just last year at the Open, even though it was a crazy birdie fest, still like he had the lead and and then he only shot two under on the on on Sunday, and then Cam Smith won. It's like mm-hmm. you're just waiting for this guy to break through, and it just never does. And so, I I, I think Rory will be good, and I think he'll be on the top of the leaderboard on Sunday, like the other names we mentioned. But I don't I don't have I don't trust him as much as Scotty and Brooks. Yeah, he's definitely someone I've kind of been given up on at this yeah. point in terms of you know his ability to to win a major. I don't know. Like I'm not saying that it can't happen. Like. You know, we've seen plenty of guys when you think it's they're over the hill like Brooks Kepka, Tiger Woods a few years ago. Like they've they've been able to to pull these out. Maybe we can say that with Rory, but I, I, feels I like remember, he's just a name who's just up there at this point because of his name alone. I thought the lift stuff would motivate him a little bit. I remember last year when it all started, he won the Canadian Open, <laughs> and everyone's yeah. like Rory, Rory, Rory uh, you know, for being the. You know the hero that he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, well, he's it's the, like, the poster boy it's a, for it's the a PGA. regular PGA tour event. Like it's not a major. And yeah, well, I mean, this year's Canadian Open had a pretty fun had finish. A great ending. Taylor. Seventy-two yeah. foot putt by Nick Taylor. Uh, crazy. And then to follow that up the, with a uh, Adam Hadwin getting his yeah. ass kicked by a security <laughs> guard. Laid out. Yep. That was. Uh-huh. Uh, that was. <laughs> that was great. Yep. Um, did you want me to go through like other? players well so i guess you know the the top five those are guys who've been playing well like right. we've seen their names you know the top of leaderboards and then as you kind of go down a little on the list you have a lot of like local connections to la xander yeah, shuffle like, is Ma- one from san Ma- diego max homa 
Max Homa, I think, to me, is the big one. Like, I think he, it, when you just talk about guys under pressure, he might be under the most, like, in yeah, terms of, like, needing to... This yeah. past year or so now, he, he's really shown that he's actually, I don't want to say elite, but, like, right on that tier of, like, either yeah, elite or just below the elite guys, really. He's great. He wins tournaments all the time. Yeah, but, so he, it's not... I remember early in his career like he yeah he won like the wells fargo tournament and yeah he's he, six pga tour wins yeah he, he won the wells fargo in 2019 he's and won it's the like all right like this, he had his one win this guy is but then he won uh-huh. genesis and then the Fortnite championship twice <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and he, he actually won the farmer's insurance tournament <laughs> yeah uh-huh. uh, this year um uh, so he wins plenty of events, but yeah, he hasn't had a, a ton of success in majors, and not obviously no, not just winning them, but like not even really competing in any of them either. Tied for thirteenth in the twenty twenty two PGA Championship. Outside of that, he's competed in what looks like ten tournaments. He's finished top forty. Yeah, he's like forty fifties and miscuts. Fifties, yeah, yeah miscuts. Yeah, but so. I think I think having that course knowledge is is a huge plus for him because I remember should be. I remember when Morikawa, when he won his first major, you know, he, he went to Cal and, and the golf course, uh-huh. I forgot what the name of it was, but it was like 20 minutes away from Cal. And he was like, he, he, he had more. Was course, it Pebble Beach? It wasn't Pebble Beach. That was 2019. Okay. But. Okay. I know it was California like every other year right now. <laughs> uh, but it was, the, it was a PGA too. It wasn't the US Open. But, oh, you're right. Yep. Yep. But um, mm-hmm. I remember that coming to that that tournament like he had more course knowledge than anyone uh on tour and and he won that tournament and just sticking with the u.s opens just last year matthew fitzpatrick he won the amateur at the country club in brookline in 2013 and it's like so and so he had course good course history and good course knowledge and he actually won the u.s mm-hmm. open last year even though he doesn't have this nearly the same length as other guys on tour he's a very very solid uh you know, approach game and great short game and all that. So, yeah. So like those are just a couple examples of that course knowledge can really help, help someone like Homa and and others in this tournament. Yeah. And I, I'm not saying he needs to win the whole thing. There's 156 golfers in the field, uh, but I, I feel like he has to be competitive. Like he has to be up there, like a name to watch going into Sunday, like, you know, top 10, top five finish. Like, I, I feel like he's someone like just because no, of the knowledge, fair, cause, because cause, uh, like just looking at these top names, like obviously Scheffler, Rom, Brooks all have these majors. Uh, and then Hovland, he doesn't have one yet, but he f- finished second. He's to knocking Brooks, on the door, and he yeah. and he won the Memorial a couple weeks later, and so he's someone that has shown that he can compete. Uh, Xander's another one. He, he's yeah, he's someone, another local tie. Yeah, kind of. like one of the local tie, but also someone that hasn't won a major either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he's he's performed better than Homa in majors than. Yeah, he. I mean, he's come close at least. Yeah, he's come close plenty of times. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying Cantlay though. Like, look, well. looking at the names next to him, they either have a major or they've almost won a major. And yeah, Homa almost has like not the one guy that he hasn't won, and he hasn't even come close to winning one. Yeah, so it feels like just given that lack of history, and then of course you know having an association with this golf course, it, it seems like he needs to perform. <laughs> Otherwise, this 
He's just going to be another guy who, like, okay, he can win random if he, PGA if, tour If he's going to win any major, it has to be this one. Like, just yeah, given you where, think the, so. where it's located, I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, you would think so. Or at least to, like, play well enough to have the confidence <laughs> to be able to perform on these he big just stages. Has, he has a much better track record on the the West Coast for obvious reasons. So, mm-hmm. so if he's going to win one this year, would, I, this would be the one where I think he can compete in. Like, I didn't expect him yep. to do that at the masters or anything like that so yeah uh and i guess just you know kind of talking about this course unless you have some like crazy sleepers you want to throw out there i mean like i mean there are definitely sleepers that i could mention i don't know if i want to bore you with every single name no i would say if you feel confident enough that you want to have it on the record that you've picked them potentially to win or at least play well (laughs) i mean there are several guys like you know Uh, one guy i could throw out there um yeah i know he's sucked for like two years now but he's actually come around and that's bryson <laughs> that's not a joke either like he's actually yeah. he looks healthier he's not like uh-huh. gigantic on on the juice or anything um but like looking at his results he's like even on the live tour like even though like yes there's not as many you know com- competitors on that tour like it's still he still has performed well there and he just finished fourth at the pga championship and if he's gonna, if he's gonna perform well in any major, it's the U.S. Open. He won in twenty twenty. Yeah, he and did. In twenty twenty one, he yes, he completely uh, <laughs> unraveled on Sunday, but he was the solo leader at one point on Sunday in that tournament. And so, if he's gonna win one, it'd be this one. Yeah, no, it makes sense. He's CNN star, so. You know, he's someone who is, <laughs> he knows what it's like to be on the the big stage. <laughs> um, I I when it, oh wait, before but before I get, uh-huh. go to any other guys, I I hated that interview because <laughs> because okay, obviously the way Bryson ended ended the interview, like the first few minutes were fine, uh-huh. but like that last minute was brutal. Yeah, but I just hate CNN. All they want to do is get people in trouble. That's all they want to do. It, and, it works with Bryson. Yeah, he's and he's an easy target, is what I'm saying. Is that uh, like, like, yes, Bryson didn't come off well in that interview, but it's like, I just hate CNN so much. Like, they just all they want to do is just get people in trouble. Yeah, honestly, a lot, a lot of others look way worse when it comes to the PGA Live merger and talking about the Saudis and 9/11. We all make so. mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, in all seriousness, though, like. Uh, after the Masters, he's finished 26th, 19th, 5th, 4th, and 9th in his last five events. And mm, so, that's pretty good. So, Which is so mm. much better than like missing every cut and finishing like dead last on yeah. no-cut events. So so I, I'm actually, for the first time in like forever, I actually think he can play well. Uh, <laughs> he, hey, you know, Brooks, Brooks just won the PGA, so he's going to match him. Uh, I mean, there are, there are a million other sleepers, but I don't want to go through every name. Like, I, yeah. you know, I'm no, just that's one. fair. So. Yeah, there you go. No, I mean uh, that makes sense to throw them out there. Um, so in terms of the LA Country Club, uh, just like some some facts that I want to throw out, just kind of set the stage here. So um, this tournament or this course is a par seventy. It has five par threes and three par fives. And one of the par threes is two hundred ninety yards. Yes, two hundred ninety yard par three. There's also one that's ninety two yards. So just the complete opposite end of the spectrum it's it's a crazy course uh um, the 290 yeah, 290 like, yard pro, par three. even n- not all the pros of course but like some of the pros even have to hit like three wood or driver, driver yeah right 
which is crazy to think about. Like <laughs> that would easily be the longest par three that I'd ever played. Um, but yeah, that that is it's a wild course. Like from that perspective, um, I've seen a lot of videos of the like the the rough where like they were dropping balls in it and they just disappeared. So that happens uh, in a lot of U.S. Opens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it. That's something that uh, I think it's kind of been a staple for this U.S. Open. At the same time, there are a lot of people that don't necessarily think it's going to be one of those crazy ones where everyone is golfing over par and you know you get someone like Phil Mickelson just putting a moving ball because he's pissed off about the how hard the course is and how the way you know the greens are playing. So I want to see him do what he did at Shinnecock again, where he puts it and then the ball. Is starting to roll down. He yeah. runs after the uh, ball and puts it just back to the puts hole. It again. I want to yep. see that again. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. From what I've heard, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be like that. I think you're going to have a lot of golfers struggle, but in the end, it wouldn't be surprising to see someone win with like a minus ten as someone who just kind of is able to avoid the rough, like hits their drives well on the fairways yeah, f- and f- able to a play fair course because mm-hmm. like, a course like Shinnecock. Like just for an example, just, was, was just, <laughs> just, was just ridiculous, and uh, I don't blame the players for complaining at a course like that. But yeah, but yeah, I, I expect a better score than because I think Brooks won at plus uh, one over par or even. Yeah, right. Game. I don't think that I don't think that's gonna happen again. Um, also, another fun fact: apparently, the fourteenth hole is adjacent to the Playboy Mansion. They have like a bunch of shrubs and stuff to hide it. But if you're you know, if you're watching and someone's teeing off in the 14 and you hear a lot of exotic animals, you're like, what's that? Well, that's coming from the backyard of the mansion. So that's kind of a, a fun fact that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious if we get any talk about it or any shots of it. I mean, I, I mean, great place to celebrate if you if you win. <laughs> True. Yeah. If you, if you even have access to entering. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so apparently, uh, talking about access, Hugh Hefner was not able to get mem- membership at this course. Apparently, they tried to keep Hollywood out. Like, they're like, you know, they didn't want to have a bunch of like big stars there. They wanted to keep it to more like local LA people. That's um, that's pretty difficult to do in LA of all places. Yeah. Especially when he's oh, next door. Right? I know. It's, it's, that's like a crazy thing to hear about. And of course, you still need money. Like, there's still a lot of people in there, but it's not as, as much of a star decorated course you know country club as you would think it would be based on the location so uh, and then you know because it's in la on the west coast the tournament is going to be going late at night thursday friday saturday coverage on nbc it's going to go to 11 p.m even saturday 10 p.m coverage like it's gonna be pretty late seeing you know someone win this tournament which i think has pros and cons um you know, they definitely got lucky that the NBA Finals ended when it did and they don't have to have Sunday go head-to-head with Game 7. Um, having that Monday would, be I, like I don't a... Know if that, that would not go well. <laughs> no, no. I think, like, there are a lot of people who naturally would prefer golf over the NBA Finals. I will, but yeah, I will say this year maybe because it's Nuggets heat or would have been yeah, Nuggets but like, heat. Just, I mean, but... just in general, I think a lot of golf fans maybe aren't, like there's not a ton of crossover like from like the hardcore golf fans being hardcore NBA fans. But for just a casual fan looking for someone to watch on a Sunday night, you're going to choose the NBA finals over the U.S. Open most of the time. Right. <laughs> so uh, definitely helps that they'll be in the spotlight. And just from like a late perspective, 
Monday is a holiday for a lot of the country now, so I think that that's not necessarily going to be a showstopper for people, uh, as as opposed to normally on a Sunday night, you don't necessarily want to be watching golf until 10 p.m. So uh, it'll be interesting, you know, how that plays out. I'm excited for it. I like the U.S. Open. There have been um, no. There have been better. Uh, there have been good finishes in the in you know most recent U.S. Opens compared. To, like I mm-hmm. mentioned this when we talked about the Masters, like. No, oh, it hasn't that, been after, fun. After after Tiger won, which was incredible. Like it yeah, wasn't every... even just Tiger winning. Like there were like eight dudes competing at, at the mm-hmm. top. It wasn't even just Tiger. There were there were a lot of players that could have won that tournament and just happened to be Tiger, which was incredible. But you know, ever since Tiger won, every other Masters has been a dud, in my opinion. Yep. And probably most Yeah, down opinions. down to the finish. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it just has not been nearly as exciting. Uh ever since that one but i think the u.s open has has had really good finishes we saw like i said matthew fitzpatrick winning last year with zalatoris missing that tying putt uh king mm-hmm. of second place uh, <laughs> in, in majors yep. and then and then well well Bry- bryson's was kind of boring <laughs> even as yeah it was cool to see him win and, and he dominated but it's like COVID it was also an nfl and, oh, no fans and he won by six strokes uh, yeah um, I'm, I'm blanking who oh the 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 one at um, Torrey Pines, that one was exciting with Rom one winning. Yep. Because he wasn't. Yep, at the you're t- right. That was. He had to he had to make uh, two clutch putts on 17 and and 18 to win. Uh, you know, being that was like right after he had his uh, whole like COVID scare too, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where he like had to yeah because like, at the off. memorial he he uh he was winning by a lot, but he had to withdraw because he had COVID. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, and then he went out and won the U.S. Open. Right. So, yeah, no, it should be a fun one. Uh, I'm, you know, certainly excited. I'm going to watch as, as much as I can. I think having go late makes it almost easier to be able to tune in because it's not like you have to watch in the middle of the day. Like yeah, in I'm, other... I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. And, I and you know, with the live... Well, is it you and me in Canada? Like, I know you have other stuff that you're going to be yeah, doing. Yeah, but I'm still so. going to watch it, too. Uh, <laughs> but, but, no, I know what you mean, though. Like, yeah, like... I'd imagine, you know, you know, being up late, I'd be in a hotel room watching. So mm-hmm. I know what you're saying that, like, yeah, I'll have more time to watch it, uh, just given that it's on the West Coast. Yep. Yep. So, all right, that'll do it for this one. Um, you know, we're gonna have a slight break in terms of when our next podcast is, but you know, we'll we'll definitely be coming back with the latest and you know the sports world, and certainly glad we're able to you know kind of wrap up the nba and nhl seasons and can look it's forward good. to the it's off good. season uh, and... it's good uh you know we don't have to talk about basketball anymore we can go home <laughs> exactly so all right uh for my co-host brian wells i'm Corey Novotny. thanks everyone